Grace is truly amazing, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's tough to describe it even, how great it is to get a gift and get the ultimate gift from God and his son, Jesus. And this is, a, this is my first time ever preaching on grace. First time ever, and I think it's to my shame because this is the reason why I get to live. This is the reason why we're able to sit here right now and to enjoy the gift of God, the freedom that comes from him. Preach about repentance. Preach about truth and trust. Preach about sincerity. But I'm glad God has put it on my heart to preach about grace. Because as Tom has shared earlier, Without grace, without the great gift of God and grace, we wouldn't be here right now. And in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, I'm just going to read it to you guys right quick. It says, but because of his great love for us, his great love for you, his great love for me, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Amen. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. It is crazy that God provided the gift to us. In Jesus Christ, before we were even conceived, right? I don't think anybody here is 2,000 years old, right? We got a few that are older. But nobody is 2,000 years old. So God, since the beginning of time, had laid this gift aside for us so that we can potentially tap into the gift And he wanted to show us, he wanted to show mankind that he is serious about his relationship with me and you. How serious he is about loving, about cherishing, about giving everything to us. And most everyone has an opinion on what grace is, right? You know, you talk to five people and ask, hey, what's your definition of grace? You may get five different answers. Some of them may be accurate. Some of them may be somewhat accurate. And some people may just flat out not know what it is, this grace. And I want to show a quick video about a survey did asking just regular, everyday people on their definition of grace. Let's look at this video real quickly. It's the way of life. You can't live without grace. Grace is a state of well-being and ease. That's easy. God's riches at Christ's expense. Like grace, like saying, like Thanksgiving grace. Yeah, I know that. It's like when you give something, you appreciate something. Grace 
means I've heard it around before, but I don't know. Could you tell me, please? Undeserved forgiveness. Define grace. It's kind of a hard word to put into words. Humble yourself and be grateful for everything that's given to you in this life. Uh, grace is a girl's name. I, I need a couple girls named Grace. They're pretty cute. Grace is God's compassion. If you're talking religion, you know, I mean, religion is it's grace. Grace is Sometimes. benevolence that's that's not particularly deserved or asked for, maybe. Mercy. Mercy. Somebody who's graceful is somebody that's kind of poised. Yeah, confident, like uh, certain. <laughs> you know, to be honest, uh, Grace never thought about it. God gives grace. Um, you know, it's His grace that I have salvation. Um, grace? I don't really know. <laughs> Do you know? Mm -mm. I don't know. <laughs> two statements. It says grace is one thing. Living out grace is something totally different. Right. And isn't that so true? That God has given the gift. You know, in the New Testament, the term grace is used over 114 times. And there's, there's the definition. This is a shortened definition of grace. Favor. Kindness, a gift or blessing bestowed on someone. And grace can happen in many forms, right? We can be gracious to each other. We can give gifts to each other. But the grace that I'm talking about is not the grace that we bestow upon each other, but what comes down from God. Because that's the grace that matters. That's the grace that produces salvation when handled correctly. And I got a little gift here just to remind us. We're going to come back to it later. Thank you, Carol Bull, for donating this red box, this red gift box for us. But so what we're going to see, the gift. I can't change what's inside this box, right? The gift can't change. I can't undo what Jesus did when he died on the cross. There's nothing that we can do. I can't turn a blind eye. I can't pray any harder to change the gift, just like I cannot change what's in this box right now. I can't change if it's keys to a new car. I can't change if it's a goldfish that may not be alive anymore. I can't change one simple fact of what's in this gift box. 
And in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, we read earlier, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Grace, by grace, we have been saved through faith. And I love what Tom shared this morning because we were able to see the difference. We were able to see the components of a relationship with God. God started it off, right? He loved us first before we could love him. He gave us the gift. He gave us the favor. He gave us a blessing. He made the down payment before we even had a job. That's the God that we serve. But it also says that through faith, we have this gift. So what does that mean, through faith? Just like this box, I cannot change the contents of this box. We can't change the facts of what God has did for or has done for us. But God did call us to have faith in him, right? God called us to believe in him, to trust in him. And by that faith, we're able to open this box and receive the gift that God has given to us. The great and gracious gift and in his son, Jesus Christ. In James chapter 1, verse 17, it says, every good and perfect gift is from where? Above. Coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Our God is not going to change what's in this box. He's not going to take back what he did by giving his son Jesus. Why? Because he loved you, he loved us so much that he was willing to make that sacrifice, amen? And he gave us this gift. He gave us this present. present. How do you respond when you get gifts, right? Are you one of those gift receivers where you're trying to guess what's in the box before you even open it? Are you one of those? Yeah, we got a, a yes over here on the front row. Are you one of those that I'm just happy whatever I receive? Whatever it is, I'm just glad you thought of me. Some of us are like that. And some of you are like me, where I gave you the list of what to give me. Because <laughs> I want to make sure that I'm ecstatic when I open that box and see new golf clubs. And maybe a golf game, too, in the box. But no matter what kind of gift receiver we are, that doesn't change what the gift is. And I remember, you know, just seeing gift, giving, and merit from God, and favor from God, and blessings from God. I remember when me and my wife, we were uh, dating back in 2000, probably three, 2004. We got married in 2005, so it was before that. I remember she came, moved up from San Antonio. She was going to school at one of the local community colleges in Oklahoma City. But it became a point where she couldn't afford the college that she was at. And she needed to pay off the bill at OCCC, the community college, 
in order to transfer it to the University of Oklahoma, where she was going to get an astounding education. (laughs) That's where I graduated from, for y'all that don't know. You got it. Amen, brother. But she couldn't pay, and the bill had ended up being $1,300. $1,300 for an adult with a job is a lot of money. But $1,300 to a starving college student, if needed a miracle. And I remember hearing, hearing her voice and seeing in her car an envelope. Somebody had dropped the envelope. I don't know if God went ahead and did it himself. It was, the note was written in English, so I'm, I don't know if God speaks Hebrew. I'm not sure if it came from him directly or he worked it through someone. But it ended up being an envelope with $1,300 in it. $1,300 so that she could finish her education, pay off the community college, and end up getting a degree a couple years later. And if that's not God, I don't know who it is, amen? But that's a, that's a financial blessing. That's a financial, if she, wouldn't, if she wasn't able to go to college, she, she could do awesome things. But God is trying to give us something much more than just money, amen? He's trying to give us or give us salvation. And I want to look at a passage in Luke chapter 19 because grace, it's one of those subjects. As we saw in the video, it can be confusing. It can be confusing, not because of the definition is confusing, but because sometimes we hear different things from the Christian dome world, right? We hear different things from pastors, from preachers, from family members. And maybe even in our own Bible study, we hear different things. And as we mentioned earlier, sometimes it's accurate and sometimes it isn't. In Luke chapter 19, verse 1 through 10, we see Zacchaeus. We see Zacchaeus, he comes in contact with the gift, with the favor, with the blessing, with the grace that comes from God and Jesus Christ. And let's see how he embraced grace. Because as we mentioned, the gift has already been given, but the challenge is still there for us to embrace God's grace. Amen. In Luke chapter 19, verse 1, it says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, which most likely he did as a tax collector, right? I will pay back four times the amount. Verse nine, Jesus said to him today, salvation 
has come to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Zacchaeus looked grace, the gift of grace, right in the mouth. Jesus Christ. He came in contact with Jesus. And I'm not sure what he thought he was going to get out of showing up and climbing that sycamore fig tree. But I can imagine that he just wanted to see Jesus. He wasn't expecting Jesus to come to his house. He wasn't expecting to end up cooking for him, end up being ridiculed by different people that were jealous of him being able to see the gift of God face to face. But how did he embrace Jesus? Because that's the question. How do we embrace him? First thing, in verse 3 and 4, it says, he found a way to at least catch a glimpse of Jesus. He found a way to at least catch a glimpse of Jesus. It said he hurried, climbed a sycamore fig tree so that he could see Jesus. And the question for us is, what type of effort are we making to get involved with the gift, right? Do we wake up early? Do we stay up late? Do we take time to be able to see Jesus? And it's different now. We don't see Jesus by climbing a tree nowadays, right? And thank God for most of us because we're not good tree climbers. But what is our opportunity to get to see Jesus? It's his word, right? It's his word. And we have the opportunity to day in, day out, minute by minute, to be able to read his word to get to know Jesus. Zacchaeus challenges our faith because he had to physically go out and see Jesus. We don't have an excuse, right? We don't physically have to go anywhere to read God's word because we can download it. And it's a free download at that, right? We don't even have to pay 99 cents for it. (laughs) We get to read it right then and right there. So Zacchaeus embraced God's grace by first going to catch a glimpse of the gift. Secondly, in humility, he didn't run away from the gift when the gift approached him. And this is the part that I think many of us can relate. Because as, we, as Derek preached last week, we go through sufferings, right? We go through times of trial. We go through times of tribulation. And a lot of those times, it's directly for us to grow in our faith. So Zacchaeus could have thought, because he, he knew who Jesus was. That's why he, clo- that's why he climbed the, the tree. He knew that Jesus knew what he was doing. He knew Jesus was a man that was to be feared. And that same Jesus is the same Jesus we come in contact with today. But when Jesus calls you, are you going to come down from the sycamore fig tree? Are we going to come down? Are we going to stop what we're doing and stop just being a spectator and come down so that we can truly have the gift as God had intended it? 
And that part can be tough, right? Because we know, like, hey, if I come down from this tree, I'm not going to be able to do the things that I used to do in the quantity that I used to do them. Because I'm going to be following Jesus instead. I'm not going to be able to say the different things that I used to say if I follow Jesus, if I'm in Jesus' company. So we stay in the tree. I'm not going to be able to work as many hours slaving over a boss or slaving over my own business because I'm going to be slaving for Jesus and God instead. And what do we do sometimes? We stay in the tree. We stay right there where it's comfortable. Somewhat, right? It's a tree, so I don't know how comfortable it was. But we stay there. But what does Zacchaeus do? When Jesus called him down, he listened. And lastly, he said he came down from his tree of comfort and received the gift into his home, the gift being Jesus, so that he can fully realize and appreciate the gift. That's embracing the gift. That's the challenge that we have when it comes to the grace of God is are we going to embrace it? I'm very happy about my soon-to-be brother, Matt Williams, who's been playing the bass guitar for the past couple weeks. Not just because he plays the bass guitar, amen man for that, but because he's been challenged through God's word and through God personally to embrace God's grace. He's been challenged to not just keep the gift on on his uh, cabinet, but to open it up. And here in the next week here, we will be able to witness our brother Matt Williams getting baptized into God's kingdom. Amen. And it's not because he earned it, right? It's not because any of us earned it. We can look at our resume, you know, as Tom chuckles back there. Look at our resume. We can see that we do not deserve a thing. But the gift is still there. The gift is still present. Now, what are we going to do with it? And Zacchaeus showed us that he's not going to be inactive. He's not just going to look at Jesus. He's not just going to to appreciate the gift. It's closed. He was going to open it. And he was going to enjoy the gift exactly how God intended it. Amen. And that's our same challenge today is that we're not a church that just collect gifts and not use them. Amen. That's one of the things that attracted our family some 25 years ago to God's movement and to his scriptures is because we're not just reading about great things. We're not just hearing about great things, but by the grace of God, we can do those great things because Jesus is the one doing those things. And if he's doing it and I'm following him and you're following him, then we're going to do those great things as well. Amen. And that's the gift. That's the grace. That's the faith that turns that grace into salvation. Amen. But we have a choice. We have a choice. We can leave the gift unopened. In Romans chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, 
Paul is talking to the church there in Rome. And he asked this question, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? That's a travesty to get a gift and not to use it as its purpose, right? You know, to to get a brand new car and then to go drive it right into the lake. You're like, wait a second, brother, you didn't have, that's not a boat. You might have asked for a boat, but you didn't receive a boat. So if you drive into the lake, you're going to stay in the lake. (laughs) But that sounds crazy, right? But how much crazier is if we live using a gift in a way that it wasn't intended. To use the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross, the God who gave this gift, and to say, that's my ticket to do what I want. That's my ticket to keep going back to the gift giver and saying, hey, I'm sorry, can I get another gift? Paul said, by no means, amen. Hopefully none of us think that. But I know it's challenging to think that because it's comfortable, right? It's comfortable to continue to live the life that you enjoy. It's comfortable to continue to do the things that you like. To do the different things that help you fit in at high school, at work, or in your neighborhood. To continue to do those things, but that's not what grace was intended for. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, Paul is challenging the church again. He says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. That is Satan's greatest tool is deceit and is lies. What type of lies is he telling us about grace? What what kind of lies is he telling us about the son of God, about the sacrifice that he made? He tried to start off. Soon as Jesus died, he tried to make it be like, man, Jesus didn't really die. Or he did, but the disciples came and took his body. And he didn't really raise from the dead. That's what Satan was trying to do to produce the lies and the deceit, to tarnish the grace, to tarnish the gift. But then what does he say say now? What is he saying now about grace? As we mentioned earlier, is that sometimes we get a misdefinition of grace. A grace that I can do anything that I want, which is true. But that's not what grace is, right? (laughs) That's not what grace is. What did Paul say here? He says, I am astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in where? The grace of Christ. So this gift that God has given us, when we unpackaged it, he wanted us to live in grace. 
He wanted us to live in his favor, live in his blessing, live following Jesus. And this excerpt from The Cost of Discipleship, this here is what we're battling with. It says, cheap grace is the grace we bestow on ourselves. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline. Communion without confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross. Grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. That's what we're up against, guys. That's what we're up, up against. As I mentioned earlier, we know God's word calls us to follow Jesus, not just to acknowledge that Jesus is who he is. God calls us to follow him and embrace the life that he has given us. And Paul said it best in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. He says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. That's what grace looks like. It's not what I do, as Tom was saying earlier. It's not what I do, because we can't earn it. The gift is already there. But what's the call? It's to let that gift transform us. And we go into our homes today. If we walk, if I walk into your home, if you guys walk into my home and spend 24 hours with me and don't tell me that you're coming, am I going to be able to see this? And are we going to be able to see the grace that God has called us to live in? Are we going to see the grace how we speak to our roommate? How we talk to our wives. How we discipline our children. The things that we watch on television. The things that are playing in our iPod. Is it going to exude grace? Is it going to exude that? Because Paul said, no, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was in me. You know, Gatorade has the great commercial, Is It In You? You know, they're, spread, they're sweating and they're sweating Gatorade, blue and pink and green. And I haven't seen that in real life, but they got it there on the commercial, right? Is it in you? I got the question for us today. Is grace in you? Are we opening up this, this box here? Are we opening it up to see and to live and to let this grace guide us and be and so that we can say the same thing that Paul said is that it wasn't me working. It was the grace, which is who Jesus working in me. That's what grace is all about. And in Titus chapter two, verse 11 Paul says to Titus, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions 
and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The grace of God actually teaches us some things, right? It teaches us to say no to ungodliness. It teaches us to say no to not having control of our lives as far as self-control. It teaches us to say no to the worldly passions and yes to the godly passions. Are we using grace for what it's meant for? Are we using that grace so that we can say yes to the things we need to say yes to and no to the things we need to say no to? And that's a serious question because we all have the opportunity to embrace grace. Amen. We all have the opportunity to open up this box and to take out Jesus and let him reign in our lives. But as you sit in your seat right now, are you letting, are you allowing Jesus to reign in your heart? Are you allowing Jesus to come make his home with you so that you can truly live a life to the full? And guys, it's not a burden. Sometimes it's not convenient, right? But it's not a burden living a life for Christ and having him be your roommate. Christ takes care of the dishes, right? He cleans up behind himself. Christ is a great roommate, amen? But grace without effect is true tragedy. If we have a gift that we don't open, especially a gift, as it said there in Titus, the gift of salvation, and we don't open, that's true tragedy. And I want to end with this scripture in Romans chapter 6, verse 15 and 16. Paul asked the question again, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? He says, by no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, don't want that, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. Paul said, if we're under grace, we're under the rulership of God and of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And if I want somebody to lead me, it's going to be Jesus Christ. It's going to be someone that's where I'm trying to go, which is heaven. And be with God, amen? Not in a place, not in a world that's broken, a world that's corrupt, a world that will lie, a world that will do anything it takes to advance. But in a world where God and Jesus reign supreme. When we choose to open up the gift of grace, we choose a life, we choose to live a life of appreciation towards the gift giver which is God. Amen. And if we, and if we truly choose God, we will choose to live a life for him, not just for us. And I just pray, you know, as we pray right now, that we can truly bring and embrace grace into our homes, God.
that we use God, we use Jesus, we use his Holy Spirit to take us to another place. Because only with God, only with Jesus, will we truly be able to realize and use this gift, what it's meant for. Amen? Let's go to God in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to you today, we thank you for the grace. We thank you for deciding beforehand to give your son Jesus so that we can have life. So that we can just have the opportunity to get to know you and to be able to offer the best to the relationships that you have put in our lives. God, without you, we're nothing. And God, even with you, we're still a piece of work. But I thank you for having faith in your son Jesus and the kingdom that you have put here on this earth to help people to appreciate you and what you as a gift giver. I pray that all of us, if we're visiting, if we've been members here for for decades, God, that we can all embrace grace in our lives. Not just as a concept, not just as a theory, but as a way of life, God. Because grace is that. It is salvation. It is a new life. I thank you again for for everyone here that saw it important to grow in their relationship with you by worshiping you and being involved in your word that brings truth. I thank you lastly for your son, Jesus, who is truth and who is grace. And without him, we wouldn't even want to fathom what life would be like. But I just pray that we don't live life as if the grace in Jesus never existed. But we live a life where you are present, God, and your son Jesus, we're falling right behind him. We love you. We thank you. And all this we pray in your son Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you guys for coming out and worshiping with us this morning. We are dismissed. Please don't forget to get your children in children's class. Amen. We are dismissed. No, it's nothing.